I have a BS in psychology and a BA in philosophy from Loyola. That was Jan, Jan the man, twice referenced in our last episode. That's episode seven of the SRP Radio Podcast, if you're keeping score. So, uh, this is uh, episode eight, right? That's right, Myron. My friend and mentor, Jan Arnold, teaches college-level psychology and philosophy here in Chicago, as well as online. He got his master's degree from a university that is ranked fourth best in this country and 10th in the world, according to U.S. News and World Report. I had the good fortune to to, um, go to the University of Chicago, and every professor I had was pure world class. I've taught like many psychology courses since then. Every professor I had there is cited in every Psych 101 book I've ever read, <laughs> ever had to teach from, you know, including my mentor, David McNeil. That's the kind of education one gets there. So, um, Loyola to the University of Chicago. What was the difference? People were impressed by me at Loyola. At the University of Chicago, no one's impressed by anybody. I'm really, I mean, you're just not going to show up. You're not going to stand out. You're just another, you know, someone just trying to be a genius, but you're, you're studying with people who are so far beyond you that you might as well just give it up, you know? So what did you end up studying at uh, UFC? The master's degree is called, it's a master's in um, social science, but my focus was on developmental and cognitive psychology. Almost every course I took was with some of the most important people in that field in the world. I did my master's thesis with David McNeil, who is one of the founders of psycholinguistics, along with people like Noam Chomsky and people like that. Hmm. I was older when I got my master's degree, but you were older when you got your undergrad degree. Tell me about that. I'd come into a class the first day, and all these 18 and 19-year-olds would come into the class, you know, and they sit there, and they look at me, and they they would just sort of do a double take. Who the fuck is this, you know? Is this the teacher being cool, you know? And then the teacher would come in and do a double take, you know? And uh, I had more teachers thank me for being in their class at the end of the class (laughs) because I was the only one who would talk. (laughs) I was the only one who would get into the... Everyone else just sat there and looked dumb, you know? I was always in the, in the mix, and they liked that. And but why did you wait so long to go to college? I mean, you're an intelligent guy. All my life, I've assumed that I'm ultra brilliant, and someone as brilliant as me does not have to go to school. Doesn't that make sense to you? I mean, schools are for the non-brilliant. They're for the people who need to learn. I don't need to learn. I already know it. And if I don't know it, it's not important. Okay, um, I'm sorry, you are saying you were a little bit full of yourself? Well, I think I had a combination of a major depressive disorder, which I do have, and a somewhat, uh, I don't know, narcissistic personality. And so you, you combine the two, a narcissist who's depressed is really a problem. It really is. I mean, look at Donald Trump, for instance, you know? Well, he's a narcissist, but he's not depressed, 
a true narcissist doesn't know what depression is. He's literally in love with himself. Depressed people are not in love with themselves. So if you've got that conflict between your narcissism and your self-loathing, you've got a big problem there. I was scared to go to school. I did not want to be shown up as not as grand and glorious as I thought I was. Awesome. Thank you for your candor. Um, I've known you for a long time, Jan, and it's hard for me to imagine you as anything but an academic. But um, before you started getting serious about teaching, you what? You bumped around for 25 years as a lounge lizard, as a classical guitarist? Yeah, I, you know, I played for several years at uh, Gay House, which is notorious for its guitar players. And I even played, I was even a house musician briefly for several months at the uh, Pump Room, which is a very prestigious restaurant you know, as well. The celebrities go. I saw a lot of celebrities there. Bob Hope, you know, people like that back in those days. That was one of the things about Pumpkins is the famous Hollywood celebrities would hang out there. So anyways, uh, I played in those kinds of things. And, and yet, it doesn't matter. I didn't make much in any of that stuff. Certainly not a good living wage. And it was just, um, yeah, for about 20 years, I kind of scraped along as a guitarist and lived with women who made up the difference when it came to the rent, you know, <laughs> often the difference was a very big difference <laughs> when it came to paying rent, you know, and that made them very upset. <laughs> and uh, when did your passion for politics develop? Yeah, it's not a passion for politics. You know what it is? It's a it's 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 a passion for uh, for ethics. It's a passion for more morality. That's one thing. I'm I'm very moralistic. But not in the trivial, judgmental way. You know, I just have a very strong sense of what justice is. That's what bothers me. Injustice bothers me. You know, otherwise, you know, people just have all sorts of problematic behaviors and all of that. I don't usually judge them that much. You know, I'm usually pretty kind with them. But if people really subscribe to what is obviously pure injustice, I just go berserk. And we'll hear a good bit more of that righteous indignation and linguistic analysis as the 2016 presidential election looms ever closer.